Y'all tired this morning? Some of y'all ball tournament yesterday? Did everybody ball tournament yesterday? Um, okay, that's going to work. Um, this morning we're going to be in, in Ephesians chapter 5. If you want to go ahead and turn, turn there in your copy of God's Word. Um, thank y'all for letting us get away. We went to Disney, had a great time, uh, met the mouse. It was, a, it was a good time. Sailor was stressed the whole trip. She stressed out on every single ride we rode, thinking that, that this roller coaster might be it for her, and, uh, even if she had ridden it like an hour ago. So, but we, we had a good time. Uh, thank you, Derek. Thank you, Kirk, for preaching while I was out. Man, it is so good to be able to lean on people that we know is going to preach God's word. And they're not the only ones in the room, I believe, that can do that. I think there's more of you uh, that can open the scripture and, and present truth to people. We're continuing our series today called No More Thems. Did I say that already? I'm kind of rusty. Uh, did I say that already? No More Thems, Ephesians 5. The title of the message this morning is More Heart, Less Attack. And hopefully nobody has a heart attack while we're, while we're doing this. Unless you were just completely disconnected from the world, uh, you have heard about and seen memes about the happenings at the Oscars last Sunday night to the point where you are sick of it. Chris Rock made a comment about Jada Smith and Will Smith laughed for a minute and then nobody was laughing because nobody knew what in the world was going on. He got on stage and he walked up to Chris Rock in front of the world and he slapped him in front of the whole globe. And I don't, I don't think anybody knew what to do right then. It was just a moment of shock went around the world. And this morning, I'm not here to tell you my take on the Chris Rock, Will Smith incident. But I do think it's a really good picture of where we are in the world. In our society. Not a lot of heart. A whole lot of attack. Even after that, people went at it with one another, thinking about or, or talking about who was right and who was wrong. And they were even attacking one another about who was right and who was wrong. And it's a really good picture of where our society is. We're all on edge. We're all right there at the brink of losing it. Uh, and, and our current circumstances, uh, elections and pandemics and all those things that we've walked through in the past few years have magnified it but they were not the start of it we've been here for a while and it has become so much the air we breathe that the church has also surrendered to it as well um, we're on edge if you have, please nobody slap me this morning if I if I make, make a joke about you, stay in your seat, wait till after the gathering, and then you can come slap me, you know, one-on-one. Uh, do I? So, oh, is that, was that coming from over here? 
I'm ready to bow up. Um, it, is, it is the air we breathe. In Ephesians 1 through 4, we've been taking one chapter a week for the past four weeks. And we've done Ephesians 1 through 4. And in those chapters, Paul describes who Jesus is. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, um, he describes what our salvation is like. And then Ephesians 5 is a transition in the letter. In Ephesians 1 through 4, Paul says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. He says that he chose us before the foundations of the world. That he predestined us, that he adopted us, that he's lavished grace on us, that he has redeemed and forgiven us, that he has revealed the mystery of his will to us, that he's given us inheritance, that he sealed us, That Jesus is seated in the heavens and everything is under his feet. That Jesus is appointed over his church. That he's made those of us who were spiritually dead alive. That he seated us with him in the heavens. That he saved us in spite of all we've done. That he brought us near although he found us far away. That he has become our peace. That he tore down the dividing walls of hostility. That he has reconciled us to himself in one body through the cross. That he has not just beaten hostility but he's put it to death that he's granted those who were near and those who were far access to the creator that was unspeakable before the blood of Jesus that he's made us members of God's household that he's building us up together as his holy temple for him to dwell in that he's able and is accomplishing more than we could ever ask imagine or think that he's ascended on high and taken the captives captive that he's gifting his church with gifted people who are supernaturally gifted with the right gift so that his church can be a gift of light to a dark world, that he's knitting us together just like he's knitted our bodies together to promote the growth of us as his body in the world. And then we come to Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul says, Therefore be imitators of God. All that about God. All that about salvation, all that about the love of God, all that about how he found us dead and made us alive. And then he gets into the application part of the book in Ephesians 5.1 and he says, Therefore, all of that, you understand all of that, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. This morning, I want us to look at some characteristics of churches from Ephesians chapter 5 that are known for their heart instead of their attack. And the first thing, the first characteristic of churches that are known for heart instead of attack is that Jesus is the hero. Jesus is the hero. Verses 1 through 5, let's read it together. Therefore be imitators of God... As dearly loved children, and walk in love as Christ also loved and loved us and gave himself for us, a sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. 
But sexual immorality and any impurity or greed should not even be heard of among you as is proper for saints. Obscene and foolish talking or crude joking are not suitable, but rather giving thanks. For know and recognize this, every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. This morning I have to... I have to take a little different approach, and I want to go ahead and warn you that we're going to be talking about some Greek words, but I have to do it. You have to understand these things to, to, to expand your understanding of what Paul's really saying. Um, Greek language is really difficult to translate into English language. And it's not really a translator problem, it's a language problem. Like, it's the language that has the difficulty. If you've ever wondered why there's so many translations of the Bible, this is one of the reasons, because it's hard. Uh, for example, in, in our language, we have one word for love, right? And we say, I love Rylan, right here. And I love, and I do, and I love Beth, my wife, and I do, and I love my children, and I do, and I love payday candy bars, and I do. But I don't love Rylan like I love Beth, praise God. <laughs> and I don't love Beth like I love Laney and Selah and Judd. And I don't love payday candy, it's a different type, and I don't love payday candy bars the way I love Beth. It's a different kind of love. But in Greek, there's at least four words for love. We say love, and we just hope our context helps you understand what kind of love I'm talking about. The Greeks didn't do that. They had phileo, which is brotherly love. That's how I love Rylan. They had stergo, which is... The way I love my kids. Father, son, uh, mother, daughter type love. They had eros, which is an intimate type of love. Uh, it's one that a husband and wife would have. And they had agape, which they think originated with Christians. Because it's that type of love that is... No strings attached type love. And, and they say that Christians said agape first because there was not yet a love that described what they had from the Father. But they had four different types of love that were specified and we just say love and hope for the best. Like maybe they don't think I love paydays the same way I love Beth. In this, in this scripture... It says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. And that word imitate, if you go back to the Greek, it, it literally translates mimic. Mimic. So when I, see, when I see God doing something, I do it. When I see God doing something, I do it. It's, it is a, whatever he does, I'm looking intently to find out what my next move should be because it's going to be his move. But check out the way it's worded. Be mimickers of God as dearly loved children. 
That's different. That changes things. You know, Kim, in the Resurrection 2020 Devo, my Aunt Kim talked about how uh, her grandsons, uh, Knox and Bees over there in the corner, they put on the superhero costumes, and all of a sudden they are that superhero. It's this, this, this is... This mimicking is, is why you see kids shooting imaginary spider webs out of their wrists because Spider-Man is their hero. It's not because Spider-Man is going to be mad if they don't do what Spider-Man does. It's not even that Spider-Man told them to do it. It's that they saw Spider-Man do it and they said, I want to save people before they fall off the building. <laughs> I want to fly around the world and beat the bad guy. Or in our case, I want to stand in the gap for the woman at the well. When I see rocks being thrown at the center, I want to step in the middle and say, put the rocks down. We're not throwing rocks today. Because that's what my hero did. And I mimic my hero. Not because I think my hero might get mad at me, but just because he's my hero. It's like a son that, has, that is falling completely in love with his dad. And it's almost weird and awkward to see him together because he's just looking up at his dad. And whatever his dad does, that's what he's the, the, the little dude's doing. That's, that's why we call him Junior. Dad lies, he lies. Dad says he caught a fish this big. Son said, well, I saw the fish and it was that big. Jesus is the hero. It's like, it's like Simon says. I, I want to play that with you this morning. Last week, Kirk had you stand up. So we're going to play Simon Says this morning. Y'all go ahead and get up. Stand up. Stand up with me. Simon didn't say you already lost. Dang. Y'all are no good at this. Just be glad I'm not your hero. <laughs> when Jesus is the hero, there is always more, more heart and less attack. Because he's the source of love and he's after souls and he loves people. The application this morning is to be sure you're like Jesus, defined by truth and love. I get that from two places. The truth part is from what Kirk preached about last week. Ephesians 4 verse 25, it says, put off all lying. Put off all lying. In John, the ministry of, of Jesus is described by two words. He is full of truth and grace. There's a lot of ways to lie to people. Some is to outright tell a, a mistruth. But the one that churches struggle with, that turn off the community, is we pretend like we're something we're not. 
This is a major turnoff to our community. When we pretend like we've got it all together, when we know we hadn't. I've been reading through, through the two books of Corinthians and, and just my personal time together. Really, together with the Lord, really, really want to go through that sometimes, sometime. But in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13, I think it's on the screen. I, I want you to read this because there's this story about Moses that he goes up the mountain and he meets with God. And after he meets with God, his face glows. Like it, it is, it's like it's absorbed the Shekinah glory of God. And he walks down the mountain with his face glowing. It's incredible. And, and Moses puts this veil on it. And my, my immediate thought to that my whole life has been, he put the veil on to protect the people. Like, Moses, your face is shining, dude. Put the, put the veil on. It's, it's hurting my eyes. But this is Paul's take in 2 Corinthians 3.13. We are not like Moses who put the veil over his face. Listen to this purpose. To prevent the Israelites from gazing steadily until the end of the glory of what was being set aside. If, if you read that in the message, it says the glory was fading. So Moses put the veil on so the Israelites, the people, wouldn't see that the glory of God was fading on his face. And friends, you and I, when we meet with God, sometimes there is this powerful fire that we get and it's awesome and we're excited and people see it and people talk about it but it starts fading and we put a veil up and we still come to church and we go everything is awesome and it's not and it's fake and people know You don't, you don't need to come to church and put your, your church smile on. I don't want you to come to church moping either. I want you to come to church and be real. I want you to go to Hayes and be real. I want you to go to Walmart and be real. The world is not looking for something fake that they can give some more of their time to. But if they see real, it's magnetic. It is okay for us to land in a place where, hey, all of us are not good. All of us are, not, all of us are struggling. All of us are, are messed up. But he is not. He is good. And, 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 and we're, not, we're not here to make you tickled with me. I'm not, I'm not here to make you think that I'm better than I am. I'm not here to make you think I'm sinless. I'm here, here to help you understand that he can save anybody. And that's all. It's okay if you're messed up. We, we don't want to embrace our sin. We don't want to act like our sin is awesome. But we don't want to put on these fake smiles that people have seen their whole life. And man, they can, they can see it from a quarry. Truth. We have to be passionate about truth. The other thing is love. It's in that scripture. That we just read. Not just any type of love, but, but this scripture says the love that Jesus has loved us with. That's, that's different. Unconditional, deep, pursuing, genuine family type of love. 
We have to remember that Jesus has pursued us at our worst. He has seen us at our worst. And he has loved us at our ugliest. And now he is saying, mimic that in your world. Everyone, no matter what, love. Now I'm going to put a pause to this part of the scripture. And I'm going to come back to it later at the very end. And you'll see why then. We're not done here, but, but we're going to move forward for right now. The next, characteristics of, the next characteristic of a church defined by heart and not attack is that they cling to solid truth. Verses 6 through 14. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. For you were once darkness, but now you are light and the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible, for what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We can't talk about everything in these chapters that we're we're looking at, so we have to pick some things. And the thing that that jumped out at, at me in this scripture, let no one deceive you with empty arguments. Do you um, you think there's some empty arguments out there that people are deceived by? If you want to understand how people divide in our world, you can look in the verse, verse 5, right above what we just read. Those are some things that will divide you. Sexual immorality, greed, impurity, those things will divide you. But the other thing that will divide you is what was just said in verse 6. When we become passionate about something that may or may not be true. And we start drawing lines that don't necessarily need to be drawn. Friends, let me tell you something. There, There are some things that we have to divide over. If you say to me, Jesus is not God can't break bread with that if you say Jesus is not Messiah that Jesus was not born of a virgin I'm going to say we can't be united but y'all there's some things going on in our world that are dividing us that we don't know if they're true or not we just up and saying I don't like you because you're on the other side of this I want to encourage you to fill your mind, fill your soul with what we know is true. This. You you, you study this. Don't just read it. Don't don't just read the Bible. Study it. Find find what it says. Kirk said it last week. If you don't know something, look, look harder. Say, I'm going to look until I find. Jesus promises that when we're on this seeking journey, he will give us answers. And I believe him. But look in the truth. Man, don't don't go fill your mind up with things that you don't know if they're... 
some goofball on Facebook done said it. You ain't met him before. You don't even know if the picture's real. Fill your soul up with what we know is true. Don't draw, draw lines that don't need to be drawn. There's a lot of attack that happens that's completely unnecessary. And then the other thing is that this says don't partner with people that do. Man, I, I want to be everybody's friend. I do. I, I'm a people pleaser by nature. Um, if you frown at me this morning, I'm going to worry all afternoon why you did. But there are some folks that empty arguments twirl their propeller. And they're all up in the gossip. They're all up in the stir. They relish in it. They love it. And if you partner with them, you're going to look up and you're going to be just like them. The application this morning on that is ask Jesus to give you a supernatural desire for truth. I know sometimes it's hard for you to read the scripture. Sometimes it's hard for me to read the scripture. Sometimes it's tough. But if we ask and keep on asking, God will give us a desire to read it and know it, memorize it, and be about it. He will. Number three, they depend on the Spirit. Verse 15, almost done. It's not my fault if we run late this morning. I'm not going to say whose fault it is. Pay careful attention then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, and don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. In that scripture, um, there's three comparisons made. One is unwise people and wise people, that's connected. There's foolishness and understanding, that's connected. And then there's drunk with wine and spirit-filled. And I think that has to be connected. I walked away from this passage, first thing, first thing asking a question. How is drunkenness with wine and being filled with the spirit related? I saw some of this last night. Uh, went to the wind Mardi Gras. Uh, it was great. Uh, also, won the gumbo competition. Heck yeah. I mean, we were telling people, if you vote for us, God will bless you. But, you know, that, I don't know if that's right or not. But um, I was thinking about, you know, what's the connection of being drunk with wine and, and filled with the Spirit? When, when somebody is drunk, we say they're under the influence and and what we mean by that is what what this person is doing right now is not necessarily their personality it's not some people say it may be their personality magnified but anyways um 
It may not be what they would do in a normal circumstance, but they are under the influence of what they have drank. There's songs written about it. That's just the tequila talking. If this is your first time here, you know, we like to say, it may not be good, but you can't get anywhere else. Um, More heart and less attack flows from that in the spiritual sense. People need to see us do things and they need to hear us say things and it needs to click in their mind. That's just the spirit talking. They're, they're under the influence of, of something else. That's, that's the spirit talking. That's, I know them. I grew up with them. I went to school with them. That's not them. That's the spirit talking. They're under the influence. Number two, when somebody sobers up from drinking... Now, I'm not the expert. Y'all hear me? I know nothing about this, actually. I called a friend. Um, When somebody sobers up, they need to drink again. Right? Like, you don't get drunk one time and it lasts for for your whole life. Right? Right? If I, if I sober up, if I drink all day and I'm drunk for a while, when I sober up to get drunk again, I have to drink again. Same way with the Spirit. We can sober up from being with the Spirit. And in a spiritual sense, that's not good. We need to go back and be intoxicated again. With the Spirit of God. There's this this notion out there, and it's it's with believers. Uh, I hear people say it all the time. You know, I I speak my mind. That's just how I am. Or I, I do this. That's just how I am. And that may be okay in the world, but for a believer, that is total nonsense. We are not who we were. We need to be filled with the Spirit. Nobody needs to know who Dustin is. Everybody needs to know who I'm being filled with. My whole life I've thought about, you know, being filled with the Spirit. And I I like to just do water tricks um, on Sunday mornings. But I've always thought about it like this. Like, you know, you got this. This is the Spirit and this is Dustin. And, uh uh-oh, I got really full. But, um, you know, the Spirit fills, the Spirit fills Dustin like that. And maybe it's the verse that says, I'm, I'm full and I'm overflow, my cup overflows. But, like, I think, you know, I thought of it like that. That's the Spirit filling me. He's a little better at it than I am. But that's the way I've thought about it. That's, that's being filled with the Spirit. Um, But I don't think that's right because, I mean, it's still just the bowl sitting there with water in it. You know what I mean? And and I thought about it, and and this is is really being filled with the Spirit. 
It's, it's like a glove. I got that from Jim Carrey. But this is, this is, it doesn't fit. I should have tried this. Um, the spirit doesn't fit in me either most of the time. But this is, this is more like it. It's like I'm the glove and this is, this is being filled with the spirit. Where the spirit is guiding the glove completely. You know, the glove's not just sitting there, but the glove's not doing anything either. The spirit is making the glove move. Be filled with the spirit. That's the application this morning. Be, be filled with the Spirit. Ask Jesus to fill you every day. You don't, you don't get saved and that's all you need of Jesus. You need Jesus every single day. You need Him every moment. It's okay to ask Jesus to fill you 30 times a day. I want to go back to verse 5. With the heart of the whole message that we've talked about. For no one recognize this. Every sexually immoral or impure or greedy person who is an idolater does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. It's a hard verse because it's extremely direct. And there's not a whole lot I can do to cushion that verse. It says what it says. But I want to talk about it because it's really important. And during this time, I want to ask you, um, actually, I want, I want to demand of you that nobody respond to anything I say vocally. You'll never hear a pastor say that. But don't say Amen. Don't, don't respond to me vocally during this time, okay? Because this is, this is what I've seen in churches. I've, I've seen in churches where we talk about these things and everybody claps and cheers. And if you're walking through these things, you look around and you think, do I have a friend in the world? Because I'm struggling here. Let me tell you something. If you're, if you're caught up in one of these things that, that the scripture says does not have an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God, clearly, please don't say amen. Clear, uh, I want you to clearly hear me say, I'm glad you're here. That word that translates sexual immorality is the word porneia. You can imagine what word we get from that. But that word encompasses all sexual sin. Before I get into those things, I want to tell you that the scripture is not an anti-sex book. And our God is not an anti-sex God. Uh, he designed it. And he said it was good within the bounds of covenant marriage between man and woman. And outside of that, he said it's deadly and dangerous.
those deadly and dangerous things. Extramarital sexual relationships. Premarital sexual relationships. Homosexuality. Um, lust. All forms of sexuality that you can think of outside of the covenant relationship of marriage between a man and wife. God says it's deadly. And it's, it's not just deadly to those things, these horizontal relationships. It's, it's, it's deadly because he has made something so good that if you flip that switch... It becomes an idol. Easily it becomes an idol. And if, if anybody has experienced that, that switch flipped, it, it, it becomes an idol quickly. And they can tell you that it becomes an idol. And we cannot cling to both idolatry and King Jesus. Our inheritance in King Jesus. We can't. But I'm not telling you that this morning. Because I'm mad at you, or because I think God is mad at you, or because I hate you, or because I'm scared of any agendas, or any of that. I'm not telling you that this morning because of any of those things. I'm telling you that because I want you to have healing found in Jesus, which can only happen with repentance. I'm not mad at you. Jesus is not mad at you. If you're on Facebook watching, this is, this is for the whole world to see if it needs to. It, I, I'm not mad at you. And God's not mad at you. But you can't be healed apart from repentance and salvation in Jesus. We have compassion here. And the reason I asked everybody not to say amen or or clap and cheer, any of that. Number one is I want you to know that I, I didn't say those things to get a cheer or get an amen out of anybody. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't honestly don't care what these people think. This is what Jesus says. And this is what matters. But also, I didn't, I didn't want you to think that, that we're out to get you. Let, let, let me tell you something about what... I want to lead the bridge to be, and it may be different than any other church, and that's okay with me. I, I want the, the bridge to, to, to be a church that doesn't say, hey, my sin is less than yours. I, I want the, the bridge to be a, a church that says, uh, my sin is, is like yours, but I serve a Savior that's over all sin. Y'all can say it now. Um, this, this, this sexual morality thing deals out a lot of pain across the aisle um, in your relationships with your family in the community it, it, for you it, it deals out a lot of pain and I, I know when, when somebody trusts the Lord and they come out of those circumstances, a lot of time there's a lot of talk. Was that real? I bet that wasn't real. Look at the, you know, that church thinks they're real. What, all that kind of stuff. And this is, this is my commitment from, 
from me to you if this is where you find yourself in sexual immorality. I will always tell you the truth. Man, if, if, if the scripture says it's deadly, it would not be loving for me, to, for me to say to you, it's okay. I will always tell you the truth as, as best I know. And, and the people that preach up here will do the same. At the very same time, you, you repent and you trust the Lord, I will step in between you and anybody that wants to throw a rock. And this church will too. We will, we will step right in the middle of, of, any, of any nonsense. We will walk with you as a brother and a sister. We'll love you no matter what. We'll know that you're going to struggle. Because when I came from racism, I struggled. We'll know that, that you're going to fall. And we won't walk away. We're going to love you no matter what. Last thing is it doesn't just say sexual immorality. It also says impurity. It also says greed. Same sentence. If I told you this morning, hey, for the next few weeks we're going to preach about greed, y'all wouldn't come back next week. For one, you don't care. And for two, nobody thinks they're greedy, but we all are. You're going to be hard-pressed to find somebody that is not overly excited about their money. It's the air we breathe, too. For those who are living in sexual immorality, I don't share that with you to lessen your sin. I share that with you to tell you we're all in the same boat looking for a Savior. And the only difference about the ones that just said amen is they've probably been found by him. If you want to trust the Lord this morning, it's not that I don't care what sin you may want to trust him from. It is, though, that my Savior can save anybody. I'm talking about anybody. Um, even me. He can save you too. I'm going to pray. And when I pray, if you want to know this Jesus that was described in Ephesians chapters 1 through 4, that list I read off earlier, I can help you know him. And he can change your life. And I promise you, he will. I'm going to step out in the lobby for a few minutes. But I'm not going to be out there long because we're going to have communion together. And I don't want to miss it. Chase Worley's going to lead us in communion. When I say amen, if you will, stand up and go through these doors. The elements are provided for you out there. Uh, we ask that if you are not a born-again believer, um, that you not do this. Not because you're them, but that's just the way Jesus ordained it, and we follow him. No matter what, we're going to do what he says. Um, but if you are part of another church and you have trusted Jesus, you're welcome to do this with us. You can go through those doors. Uh, a couple men, if you will, um, 
Stanley and Mike, would y'all hold those doors? Uh, Brett and Ricky, would y'all hold those doors for people? Uh, y'all go through these doors, get your elements, come back through those doors to your seat, and then Chase is going to lead us in communion. If you need to trust the Lord, if you need to talk about it, step out in the lobby, but hurry. Father, we love you. We need you. We know that if anything good is accomplished in the life of the bridge or in our individual lives, it is because of a spirit filling that is not of us. Would you make us people who are known for our heart and not our attack? Would you make us people that stand with truth even when it hurts not just others' feelings but ours too? Um, would you make us people of love and grace? Would you make us able to love like Jesus? God, would you guard us from the silliness around us that is affecting the way we think and, and, and affecting our unity and it's unnecessary? God, have your way. I pray for my brother Chase as he leads us in communion. Uh, we still expect you to be worshipped in the next few minutes we, ex we still expect you to move in the next few minutes in Jesus name Amen